Lodgecasters, welcome to the Lodgecast, the official podcast show of Gentleman'sAvenue.com. I'm your host, Mr. M. This is being recorded at the Lodge in Whittier, California. We're on the 13th floor of the penthouse suite of Whittier's tallest building. We could see all the way to downtown LA and all the way to the coast. That's right, folks. We went to the top of the damn building. And you're tuned in to episode 17. That's 017. We are quickly, quickly racing to episode 20, which is crazy because this just started a few months ago and we have just a lot of people lined up. Today, we have not only a musician, this guy is just like a wealth of knowledge when it comes to music. You're going to want to stay tuned. We have Luis from Little Luis and the Wild Teens, Little Luis and the Wildfires. And from the drag tones, not only is he a musician, he's also a barber. So he really has a lot to say about life. And, you know, it's just a good experience. You're going to want to stay tuned for that interview. He'll be coming up a little bit later. So stay tuned for that. Today is July 9th, 2017. You can find us on our website, gentlemansavenue.com forward slash the Lodgecast. On social media, on Instagram, you can find us at the Lodgecast. On Twitter, at the Lodgecast. And these are on iTunes, Google Play, Blurberry, and our website. So not only can you stream it, you can download it. What can you stream and download? The podcast show. So not only do we have an audio-only portion, we also have a video. So whatever we, we uh, the graphics I put on the screen, they're all going to be available for you to see on the show. So if you check on the vodcast, you will see the show. So that's that. Uh, this episode is sponsored by our house brand, Old Duck Grooming. Okay, you're going to want to stay tuned. I'm going to be playing a video and I'll be right back. I spent hundreds of hours researching all natural ingredients and discovered for thousands of years they have been used for medicine and grooming. I also researched and found the highest quality ingredients to produce an all-natural, zero-toxin, no-chemical shave cream. My product was not developed in a laboratory or by some machine. It was developed with passion, innovation, and creativity. My product not only promotes healing, but also revitalization. The days of needing shave oil, shave cream, aftershave, and moisturizing lotion for your face are gone. Our product is an all-in-one. We sent our product to barbers from around the world, and nobody has ever seen a shave cream perform and provide the nourishment and revitalization as ours does. There is nothing on the market like it today. Shaving is the most traumatic act that you can do in grooming. And that is why our product promotes healing and revitalization. Old Duck Grooming is committed to the highest quality ingredients to produce the highest quality product. Check us out at oldduckltd.com.
All righty then. So the latest and the greatest for gentlemansavenue.com. This is my first back-to-back episode that I could think of. And I'm pretty sure it is my first. Yesterday, I interviewed Omar Romero from Vinny's Barbershop. And today we have Luis, who's also at Vinny's Barbershop. And they're both on Wild Records uh, record label. Uh, so you're going it's, to, it's a really, really cool story. I think of just the journey of life, you know, I mean, I'm sure these guys, when they first started off, they didn't, you know, musicians, you know, barbering and, and career and family life. And, uh, both of them, you know, just really have, uh, you know, really their lives are, are as far as I could tell stable. So this is my first back to back and it's been, uh, physically, it's been hella tough, uh, getting ready for today. Uh, you know, takes a lot of, uh, preparation physically to, to get ready and mentally, but I'm thankful to God that I'm here. And, uh, let's see, I'm privileged and honored. I mean, to have people coming onto the show, uh, to come and to share their stories, to open up about their lives, their careers, their journeys, their failures, their successes, their achievements. I mean, for those of you out there listening or watching the vodcast, uh, you know, it's a big honor and privilege for me to have them here. I mean, not only am I, do I admire their careers and their lives and, you know, their accomplishments, but to have them here in-house to be able to sit here and discuss, you know, in a conversation amongst friends. You know, this isn't, uh, you know, Larry King live, you know, uh, it would be nice, but it's not where this is my style. This is my show. And I'm thankful and blessed to have them here. And, you know, for me, it's becoming uh, more and more. And I said it, you know, early on, maybe in the first few episodes I shared, you know, this is really therapeutic for me. You know, it, it's it it lifts the human spirit, you know, to regardless of whatever I'm going through, uh, if you're feeling like in the dumps or whatever, it, you know, uh, being able to do something creative, uh, it really kind of gives you that boost, you know. And so if, you know, if you're going through something in life and maybe you're down and out and you know, find something, man. It doesn't have to be a podcast show. It could be, you know, whatever, crocheting, knitting, uh, jigsaw puzzles, whatever. But something to engage your mind, that other part of your mind that doesn't focus on the negative, that doesn't focus on probably what's reality, but could take your mind into a different realm is, is really a good thing. So this is becoming, you know, very, very much therapeutic for me. And it helps my soul on a, on a daily basis, man. And I, I just, like I said, and these individuals that are coming here uh, are contributing to that. You know, I get to sit here because I'm not able to, at the moment to go out, right. And do all the stuff I used to do that at the moment is not a reality, but they're being able to come now to an intimate setting and sit here and talk, which is just a blessing, 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 man. And it's Sunday today. So this is like church, you know, we're going to sit here. We got a little, something looks like wine. This is, this is our first, uh, episode with, uh, some, not, it's not hard liquor, but it's, it's good stuff. Uh, it looks like apple juice, but, uh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So anyways, that wraps up the latest and the greatest with gentlemansavenue.com. So I'd like to invite our guest Luis onto set. Come on down, brother. Man, here we are. Martin, thank you so much for having me today. Good to see you, man. Good it's awesome, well. awesome, awesome. Here we are, man, on a, on a freaking hot-ass day. I know, and I love being in these studios. 13th floor, great view. <laughs> I love it. I think the marble floor actually keeps us cool. 
I think the fountain is the best thing for me. The fountain, and then uh, it's, it's amazing. You know, it, it took a it took a sculptor a while to get the cherubs just right. You know, I wanted them. You know, with the little bubbly butt. You know? The way you get those mermaid ice sculptures every day, that's insane. How do you get them from not melting? I love it. Great. But uh, but thank you for having me for sure. I know we've talked yeah. about uh, me coming on your show for a while and yeah. scheduling it didn't work out, but today was great. Today. I, I am persistent. I appreciate that. I, I, I need that persistence. I, uh, I'm terrible with time management. I really, really am. If anybody that knows me knows that I'm the absolute worst. My wife is, uh, goes bonkers, uh, the fact that I can't seem to manage the most simple tasks sometimes mm-hmm. without her help. But thanks for being persistent, and I'm really happy to be here. No, yeah. I, we... Um... We met years ago. Obviously, I was at um, Omar's. I think I was doing a photo shoot. I can't remember for something or other. And, uh, and then I had seen Los Wild Ones. But you're because you're, 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 you're a barber, musician. Uh, you've toured the world. And we'll talk about that. But those are just some of the descriptions or labels, you know, for lack of a term, right? Because we can't. Right. We got to put some label on it. Um, but how did you get your start in music? Uh, well, there's, there's various different things that lead you to, to start music. One is just like a love for music. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in my, in my, I guess to go back just a little bit in my household, you really wouldn't listen to music. So we didn't grow up with music Mm -hmm. because if you listen to music, something was wrong. Like if my dad was listening to music, then. You know, then he probably was going to go on a bender with his uh, with his buddies. And if my mom did listen to music, then something was wrong. So if I listened to music, they would ask me, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So all the music that I listened to was just headphones and Walkman, mm-hmm. you know, cassette tapes and stuff like that. And then, uh, well, you, you fast forward years later when I became a teenager and then basically girls. Mm-hmm. You see girls, you see girls gravitating to other uh, to other musicians. So I was just like, hey, I want to do that, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I never thought about being a front man or a singer or anything like that. But um that sort of led it where you started just picking up the guitar, picking mm-hmm. up the guitar. And, and it sounds going to sound very cliche, but when I was around seven or eight, I saw, uh, which is 1987, I saw La Bamba mm-hmm. in North Hollywood at Portara Theater. And uh, I asked my dad for a guitar, but I had no idea that this was a real person. So I just thought, liked the movie. Mm-hmm. He bought me a toy guitar and let me slam on that thing for years. And then, again, not until I became a teenager did I really say, I think I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So. You know, so it was just a matter of, you know, you in your in your privacy of yourself being able to listen to music, and then La Bamba. You watched the movie. Little did you know, right, that yeah, he yeah. was a, a a real an icon. I it, it's insane because and then I, well then I found out that he's from the same sort of neighborhood that I grew up in. So mm-hmm. it was just it was even more like also love. you grew up there in Pacoima. Yeah, I was born I was born in 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 San Fernando, born and raised in San Fernando Valley, and raised a more uh, in North Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm from the valley. I mean, from in, growing up, you went to church all the way in Pacoima mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So and you know, getting to see uh, where his grave is at and the, the home that he bought his mom was mm-hmm. you know I, then I didn't realize um, how amazing it was. Now now I do. I'm like, well, I'm in this neighborhood yeah. and I walked the same streets that he did. But mm-hmm. but yeah, but essentially, I just I went to high school in North Hollywood and raised in North Hollywood, but San Fernando Valley though. So if there's anybody out there wondering who we're talking about, because we haven't mentioned, it's Richie Valens. Richie Valens. That's just right. in case there's one or two people that it could just, have been Ricky Zuela. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his flying guitar. And his flying guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I loved that movie growing up, man. It was, 
I, I don't know. I, I liked Richie because he was like the little good angel, and then Bob because he was just a badass. Oh, he was, I met the real Bob too. Did you really? Oh yeah, he's exactly what I wanted him to be. Was he? he? Yeah, except he had uh, salt and pepper hair at this time. But mm. um, there was this. I was a teenager as well. Then, and the San Fernando Park used to be called Paxton Park. Now it's the Richie Valens Park. Mm-hmm. They had this whole sort of music thing, and he was there uh, with a bunch of memorabilia, and then he even had a Ziploc bag with a half-smoked cigarette in there. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, that was Richie's cigarette before he got on that plane and he died. What? And then back then I was like, whoa, that's amazing. But then you look back, you're like, that's not possible, man. What are you doing? <laughs> and he was like selling it for a couple hundred dollars. I was like, this this guy's the Bob from the movie. It's amazing. It was amazing. He lived up to the, he, the character was correct. He, absolutely. Yeah. Sam Morales actually played him perfectly. It was insane. It was awesome. It's funny because I had the Wise Guys big band, you know. The, yeah. Uh, I and, heard that podcast. It's a good podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot. And there was like, I don't know, probably throughout the podcast, we threw maybe 10 or 12 lines from the movie, right? Not my first, not my last. You know, it, it, That's what you do when you're Latino. You got, it's it's like you have to know that movie verbatim and every now and then you got to throw those lines out. Yeah. You have to. Well, we, I, I told the story on that podcast, too, how we we saw he was at, um, I think it was the Olympic, um, for a, a fight at the little auditorium there in L.A., mm-hmm. and uh, Sylvester Stallone was there, and Isai Morales, and of course, everybody calls Sylvester Stallone Rocky, yeah. you know, a bunch of drunk Hispanics yelling, right? And same thing with Bob, or Isai, Isai Morales, <laughs> you know, you don't call him Isai, it's Bob, you know? Yeah. And, and it's funny because he was born to play that type of character because I don't know if you ever saw the movie Bad Boys in the 80s mm-hmm. in cassette tape with him and Sean Penn. That was yeah. both of their first movie roles, which mm-hmm. is really odd. He played basically a teenage Bob in uh, like a juvenile mm-hmm. ju- juvenile detention center. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. That was, yeah. But yeah, so anyways. Yeah, that's a good movie, man. It, it probably inspired. And it's one of those, you know, I enjoy watching still because it, it's musicianship. And especially for whatever, Hispanic, Latinos, Mexicans, Chicanos, whatever. When we see one of our own, own, you know, up on stage performing, we're almost endeared to them right away. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, Whether they're singing out of tune, (laughs) you know, whatever it is, because it's, it's that sense of identity, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, growing up, I was really into basketball and, um, there was uh, I played high school ball and there was no other I can remember in the NBA there was no other Mexican in the uh, in the NBA mm-hmm. so I, I vowed to be the first Mexican in, in the NBA because I was like <laughs> somebody's got to be out there representing us mm-hmm. obviously I failed <laughs> but I'm okay with that <laughs> but as a musician you have you know been success you've oh, you've, you've I, I yesterday I mentioned Omar I said you know Success is completing what you start. You know, it's not the numbers. It's not the likes. It's not the, you know, we all want that, right? Obviously, because it's validation. That's validation. Success is going, I wanted to do this. I started and I completed it. The results, well, those aren't up to us, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us, like Omar and myself and Reb even, who was the uh, owner and sole owner of uh, Wild Records, I don't think we ever thought it was going to be, we were going to be here. 20 years later, still talking about Wild mm-hmm. Records. I'm, I'm sure Red did, probably, and because that's his vision, his dream. Mm-hmm. He lives it, breathes it, eats it, sleeps it. But we didn't. We were just kind of reckless. We just were wanted to play music, and here was this Irish man who liked us and you know was a friend and, at times, father figure. We just thought, let's just 
do what the hell we're doing now and you know he likes what we're doing and he's recording it so cool let's just go we, we thought we were just gonna live 10 years after the first records and then that's it because we were just we were reckless so you got you got signed or you got affiliated with wild how old were you um i think i was 20 years old mm-hmm. uh, could have been even earlier than that maybe maybe 19 but yeah yeah it, it was well i had other previous bands um and then uh there was no record label yet it's just mm-hmm. i just did a show for i did one show opening i guess backstory very quick i i had a really uh, young band and we played like mexican rock and roll songs we did a lot of stuff in the uh spanish rock circuit because mm-hmm. you know people were like don't mix rockabilly with spanish rocks two different things and in my head i'm like what i listened to that stuff mm-hmm. in spanish growing up anyways you fast forward many years later i didn't have anything going mm-hmm. on and then lalo guerrero was coming mm-hmm. um uh, to town and uh, this club called Rudolfo's, uh, mm-hmm. which is now a home restaurant over on Fletcher and Riverside. Mm-hmm. Amazing venue. And um, Lalo, they were going to have a, their first Latino night and Lalo Guerrero was going to be their first act uh, as far as the Latino nights. So they remembered that I was doing stuff because I was already hanging out in that club. And they said, can you put a band together and the show's in a month? Boom. Made phone calls, got some guys together. We got matching jackets. We did the whole thing. We did our very first show. And we were just nuts. We were just like, I think we played maybe seven songs and broke guitars and it was just the most ridiculous show ever. Mm-hmm. But that promoter was like, I have a friend in San Francisco looking for new bands. Why don't you give him a call? And we did. That We did. And he's like, just come on down. Just that casually. He, that's just, if you know Reb, that's mm-hmm. how he is. He's like, just come down. And we went down not knowing anything. And then we did the show for him. And from that point, he was just like, uh, I'm going to move down to LA and I'm going to start a record label. And then mm-hmm. that's kind of how it started. And Lalo Guerrero being the really the father to a great degree, and and yeah, and uh, not just music, but I mean just the Chicano culture. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, he made you proud to be a, a pocho, a Chicano, mm-hmm. a Mexican American. I mean, his songs stem from like uh, rancheras to like mm-hmm. you know sixties go go to just rock and roll and pop. I exactly, mean, he did, every, yeah. he did every, absolutely everything. And he'd been playing since the 40s, yeah, or at least it, recording. It, it recorded since the 40s, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it's amazing. It was amazing to be a part of that show. Yeah, that's that's got to be awesome. I, he's the one I regret never seeing oh, man. I mean, perform. Um, he was still amazing till the very last few years. And towards the very last few years, he uh, sat on a, on a stool and just sang his, his songs, and he had a backing band. Couldn't really get up, needed help getting up, but mm. still he was just smiling and putting it all. And it was it was, ama- it was amazing mm. to see him sweat. You know what I mean? An yeah. older gentleman like that, just with a guitar and singing these old songs, and yeah. still sweating because he's still he's still giving it all. Mm-hmm. It was it was amazing. But. I like his. He, he did a little bit of uh, satire also. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right, um, what, El- Elvis Perez. Elvis Perez. Yeah. He, he did funny songs like "There's no tortillas, <laughs> there's only bread." <laughs> I mean, it's great. I mean, he mixed that. Yeah. Uh, he did Spanglish. Is yeah. what he did. Yeah, but in, in, in an artistic way, it wasn't like Weird Al Yankovic, right? It was no. <laughs> it, it was like really good music where I was like, if you would have just used regular lyrics, it would have probably been, you know, a hit or something, you know? I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Right? It's crazy that he wasn't a big artist. He did get like a Nobel, Nobel Prize or something by uh, President Clinton. Yeah, yeah, I think he got some medal. You know? Yeah, he got some sort of medal for his uh, contribution to the arts and stuff like that. But It's huge. Uh, is there anybody that you played with that you were like, this is the biggest, at least idol or an idol is probably lack of for lack of a better word somebody you looked up to musically that you the biggest one in your life who's been that oh 
Well, Lalo being one of them, I think, um, gosh, I, it, it, I think back in those days, we drink a lot. So we didn't really take note that what we were doing was pretty mm-hmm. goddamn amazing, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, in the most sort of current sense, I think, uh, like playing with like the hives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I remember being very young and, you know, and they're my age, but I remember being very young and being absolutely blown away and realizing that you don't just have to play rockabilly. You can play rock and roll mm-hmm. and punk and pop music. And because it's all really the same thing. It really is the same thing. Totally. It's, it's the attitude. Yeah. It's the it's the way you you. Uh, Maybe it's just the chords it. different a little bit. You know yeah, I mean? then maybe they use a fourth chord instead of just <laughs> the, the three that you use in rockabilly and three that you use in punk. I mean, you can add a fourth chord and actually make some proper melodies. But I think that was a big one for me, at least in the last mm-hmm. 10 years. But uh, but 20 years ago, man, I mean, I guess a lot of the old guys like Rudy Tutti Grazel was really amazing. He was a Latino. He was the only Latino ever record on Sun Records. Mm-hmm. So uh, which people don't know, he's actually a Mexican-American guy, which is great. Wow. Yeah. And, and uh, he, he gave a lot of like uh, he played with uh, Doug Sam, like who's a nice. teenage kid. So, and this kid later moved to Texas and uh, uh, started uh, the Texas Tornadoes. Oh, and man. you know, so and again with Freddie Fender. So oh, there's man. there's a whole other like realm of music amazingness that happened right there with with like Rudy Tootie, but uh, and Sun Records. I mean, Jesus, and jo- playing with like Johnny Powers, who's oh, the only who's the only uh, artist who played in the two biggest. Uh, the two biggest, uh, smallest record labels of the time, or influential, which was uh, Sun and Motown, which is mm. uh, really amazing. But Damn. people didn't, people don't really know that he yeah. did stuff with Motown because he, you know, he did a lot of stuff with Sun. But um, mm-hmm. anyways, uh, yeah, I think I. You, it's not only like I said earlier. You, you, you not only play music, but I think you have a wealth of knowledge of music. You know, at least the music that interests you. You know, I, I always see you post some interesting records. You know what I mean? And to me, it's like, it's That's cool. how you know I've been drinking that night. Well, either way. <laughs> just playing records and going like, oh, man, this is great. Well, and is then, that Queen? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what are you doing? Okay, now he's drinking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Queen's phenomenal. Though. I know. Freddie Mercury, my know, stepson, know, loves, loves uh, Queen. I know. Yeah, Brian May made his own guitar. Yeah. That, that guitar, he made it. Um, yeah, I, good... I just nerd out with music. Like, I like there's 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 no boundary for me. Everything Everything is great. And everything is great, whatever it is. It's, so you it's you go in 110. percent Absolutely. And then if I don't necessarily like it, I want to know why I didn't like mm-hmm. it. Like why does this not connect with me? And then I, you know, and sometimes I don't even know. I'm like I don't I don't really know. I don't like it. But I just don't. Because the, the first the first band you had at least with Wild, or was that before uh, Little Luis? And the no, I had another band prior to uh, Little Luis y Los Wild Teens, which was the first band on first band on Wild Records, and the first band that I, yeah, the first band on Wild Records. So but you guys I, were the first band on Wild Records. Yeah, after that one show in San Francisco, Rev was saying he wants to start a record label because out there in San Francisco, when he moved from uh, he was living in London, and when he moved to San Francisco, he was doing just he was promoting. So so he called his nights like Wild Promotion Nights. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. We did a wild promotion night for him. But um, mm. yeah, when he came down and he, we recorded for him, we were the first act on uh, on Wild Records. Wow. And then after that, it was Wild Records. So you guys were uh, Little Luis and the Ilos Wild, Wild Teens. And then you guys, what was the next incarnation? Uh, the next after that was um, uh, Luis and the Wildfires. Mm-hmm. And I never really wanted to put my name on it. I was just like, hey, you know, Little Wild, Wild Teens, uh, you know, mm-hmm. let's, Little Luis, uh, get, let's get rid of that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little older. <laughs> 
uh, and a little heavier. I wasn't quite little anymore. Well, I did. I did do some research, and so whatever graphics I put up will will appear. Well, you've seen in the vodcast, it'll appear right. uh, to the right of you. So last night I was doing some research, and just, just yeah. So I Google Little Luis wildfires, and apparently this is what came up. It, it's 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 not far off. I'll tell you why because we recorded the very first album as the wildfires. Um, by accident, mm-hmm. because at that time, um, Little Luis Little Wild Teens wasn't really happening anymore, mm-hmm. and uh, and then so we we did a couple of tours in like uh, we did a small tour in Japan, and when we came back, I was like, I don't know what to do anymore, and it was just me and Angel Hernandez, mm-hmm. um, who worked at Vinny's and now works at American Barbershop. Who's my barber? Oh, okay. He yeah. is Angel's my barber, and uh, yeah, he's like my little brother. We grew up mm-hmm. together, and um, and uh, so we had these. Song- he was he started playing with Chewing the Bobcats, which is another act on Wild Records. And I di- wasn't really doing anything. And in between their breaks at rehearsal, I would jump in, going like, "I just wrote a song. I just wrote a song. Can I try it? Can I try it? Can I try it?" Mm-hmm. And doing that at a couple of rehearsals, we ended up with like six or seven songs. A Giselle recording was supposed to happen this one Sunday. She canceled last minute. I talked to Reb, who was very upset, and I was like, "Well, I got seven songs. If you want to lay them down," and he's like, "Call the guys. Get your butt down here right now." The guys were all willing to do it. We recorded it. We recorded the seven songs. And then, you know, he's like, you need four more. Can you do four more? So we're like, all right, give us an hour. A couple more drinks later and uh, a couple more drinks later. And we wrote four more songs right then and there. And then I think Viva Las Vegas was coming up in about a month. He's like, all right, I'm going to release this. No show. We've never done a show, never done anything. We just Mm -hmm. went in there that one day. I need a name. I need a name for the band. And it so happened that that day was one of the biggest wildfires in L.A. So the whole San Fernando Valley was actually like felt like hell because mm-hmm. the, the skies were dark and gray and mm-hmm. there was just fire everywhere. The news was nothing but about the uh, wildfires. This is in 2007. And so we were just like, what about the wildfires? It mm-hmm. seemed like appropriate. So that was that's how that happened. Oh, so, wow. yeah, so that's not very far off. Which is, yeah, I, if you look on Google, Little Luis uh, wildfires, then uh, just a whole bunch of images come up. But your style of music is savage. I, I don't know. I found a video and I'm going to put it up. Hopefully it, the audio plays. This is uh, Viva Las Vegas. Uh, the the quality is not that good, but you guys will at least be able to to see. Oh, yeah. That's Carlos Gomez right there on guitar. That's Behind Car- you? Yeah, because I I ended up using a few of the guys from the High Strung Ramblers for a while, and then Carlos Gomez uh, was the guitar player who was High Strung Ramblers and owner of American Vintage. Yeah, he was my barber previous, and then yeah, on, he, upon his passing, he was Angel. Yeah, he was a great friend of ours, and then Iggy was the other High Strung Ramblers. Was Angel the drummer in this Angel's a drummer in that. Yeah, yeah, which is an interesting circle for me. And, uh, and that was odd. What we, what I did there is actually I used Alex Vargas on, because I, rem- I don't really remember the show, but I I, I remember that grouping. Uh-huh. Alex Vargas was playing electric bass, and then I had Iggy with upright bass. So I wanted to try something different uh-huh. because I wanted more more beef, uh-huh. more meat, less bo- less uh, bone in the sound. And I used two two basses at the same time, electric bass and upright bass. Wow. And a well, guitar. Listen to this video. Hopefully the audio plays. If not, I'll figure it out in a minute. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let's get, let's get some stuff out first. Let's get some stuff out first. Let's have a man angel back there. I mean, he never gets to do nothing but play the drums, man. Let's <laughs> all look at him for Viva a four. Viva Las Vegas 4, I guess. Yeah. That's what the, the, the uh, little description says. Oh, saying. okay. So Angel's throwing that CD out to somebody. As you can see, it was a lot smaller than what Viva Las Vegas is now. <laughs> Told, yeah. Oh, God. That's a savage, man. 
We were young, man. We were young kids. That's cool. What, what are they at right now? They're about what? Viva what? They're, this last year was uh, the 20th one. 20. So this is 16 years ago. Fucking sixteen years ago. Yeah. Sixteen. Did you say uh, today? This this next year, we just did twenty, right? We just did twenty. So next one, next April, would be the twenty first. Jesus. So. So sixteen years ago. There yeah. you are. And that was already our third time being at Viva Las Vegas because I don't think there was many other bands that they would, I guess, featuring at mm-hmm. the festival. So that was already our third year doing it. Yeah. Because there you are. You've you've toured. You've toured around the world. Tell, tell some of the places that you could think off the top of your head where you've toured. Um. Uh, uh, France, Spain, uh, Portugal, Japan, uh, Sweden, or most of Scandinavia, um, Germany, Switzerland, Belgium. Uh, gosh, I can't. Some of them I can't remember. They're in there somewhere. Uh, yeah. Aust- Austria. Well, we got the idea. I mean, Australia, it's, it's, Australia, yeah. definitely Australia, but I think Austria too. Uh, yeah. Well. So, yeah. 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 You 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 set your 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 feet down a lot of places, and. Because some of the music you play is in Spanish. It's not just all English. Yeah. Rockabilly. It's, or it's rock and roll, man. I mean, rockabilly yeah. could be the more narrower category, but it's rock and roll. I don't think it was ever intended to, to be that way. Um, like I said, in the very beginning, before the Wild Teens, I had a very young band uh, with Angel oh. uh, called uh, Los Rockin' Babaloos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were just teenagers. And... Um, we played mainly Spanish because we were we were doing the Spanish rock circuit, so mm-hmm. that's all Spanish music. So we couldn't play rockabilly shows, even though we were going to rockabilly shows. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't let us play because you know we were too young, we weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. And but with these, you know, we were nestled in between ska bands and like 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 cumbia bands and stuff like that. So we did Spanish, and you know we know Spanish, so it was easy to just do Spanish, and then. Over the years, I, I wanted to stop that, but it just became a thing to to just do like, eh, let's just do a Spanish one every now and then. Mm-hmm. And, and now some of those Spanish ones are the ones that are known. Well, they, they, they ring true for culturally, right? Because then there's another video I found. And I don't know, I, I believe this is European footage. Um, you could correct me if I'm wrong. This is where we are from, my friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is... Um, Boston Rumble. That's that's in London. Yeah, that I think that was right in between us becoming the Wildfires, or maybe we already were the Wildfires. So these are the guys that I was using, and and these were chewing the Bobcats, who later became the Wildfires. Yeah. Like because you're doing the, the Spanish. Yeah, I mean I still do that that damn song, but uh, but yeah, and you can tell too it's the early days because we're not wearing uniforms. After a while, we just all wore sort of black. Mm-hmm. And it just became a thing, but yeah, if you see anything with like co- color clothing, that was the early days, <laughs> like yeah. over fifteen years ago. Oh yeah, oh, that was a nutty show. Yeah, I, I enjoy watching it because it it does. I I had been to a couple of wild showcases at the um, observatory in Orange County. And I mean the vibe. Everybody up there. I mean, there's. I, I think everybody always is trying to one up, you know, the next guy. Right? Yeah, that's kind of what you do. But it's it's like that friendly competition, and at the same time, it isn't. But it keeps you sort of moving. And then I think uh, I think like for Omar and myself, we've been doing it for so long. It's like we don't we don't necessarily try to up one. We just try to we just 
try to stay because all these other young guys are really good. <laughs> They're like yeah. way better than when we first started. So mm-hmm. I was just like, God, these guys are going to be amazing. So I think we just try to stay afloat because yeah. <laughs> these other kids are really, really good. But the energy, I mean, it, it goes from the stage to the audience. You know, even watching these, you know, you got to be without a pulse to feel what's happening. You know, it's the movement. You know, the, the, the energy, the ferocity in which it's playing, man, it's raw. Well, what I what I did learn over the last 20 years of performing, uh, not just in L.A., but worldwide, is uh, is more the way you the way you stand. Mm-hmm. So you stand with, with confidence. So you don't need to be breaking guitars like we did in back in the days. We don't <laughs> you don't need to be rolling around on the ground anymore yeah. necessarily. Just as long as you stand with confidence. Um it'll connect a lot more and mm-hmm. a lot more of the energy will, will come out. So I've, I've learned to do that in, in my, my adult life to just mm-hmm. sort of stand with a little bit more confidence. Yeah. That. Yeah. 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 And I found a few other images. Let's see. Speaking of the, oh, those are the early stuff. you got a lot of the, Oh, so this is, um, God, I can't remember his name. Ronnie uh, Weiser. Ronnie Weiser. Rock and Ronnie Weiser. That, this is a very funny one. Um, see, that's a very, that's a 16, 17 year old Omar on, on upright bass there. And that's mm-hmm. uh, Rick on guitar and angels on drums. You can't see that. That was for Ronnie Weiser. Who's the owner of Rolling Rock records, who is, is very important in rock and roll music, keeping that rock and roll spirit alive. I mean, he was the one that discovered the Blasters. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the one that first discovered Blasters. Did the last recordings um, with uh, Gene Vincent. Mm-hmm. He's a, did the last. He, he he supplied music for Kill Bill, which is that Charlie Feathers track that was recorded in the '70s. So he did a lot of amazing mm-hmm. things. But he inv- he really liked what we were doing, and he invited us over to play his son's bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. So we made the Rockabilly Hall of Fame for that. There's still on the website because we were um, a Mexican band playing Spanish songs at a bar mitzvah in Las Vegas on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. So there was a whole article written about that. That that's, <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, I've, I've never met him. Him and I have emailed. Um, I think he sent me more pictures from that day. Um, from this day here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't... You really did do some research. That was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, I, I really appreciate it because it showed just the, the development of, you know, it's, it's great to have pictures. Cause it's not like now. Now everybody with a phone just gets up. Yeah. You know, back then you had to have a camera film, you know, yeah. it, it, or maybe if you, if you were fancy enough, you did have one, a digital camera, but very, very few people did. They were all disposables back yeah. then. And so th- this is a great image. I like it because you guys just, there's such youth still, you know, we were, uh, you know what I mean? Th- this is, this is, I'll tell you about a million cigarettes earlier and a million cocktails earlier. So we, <laughs> we still had our youth. Yeah, no, it, it's. It's great to see, and uh, let's see here. That's I funny got, you popped that one up. There was this feature <laughs> in a Pony Boy magazine. Oh is yeah, it, is the, that Angel? The, is that Angel standing there? Uh, Angel to to the right there. Yeah. yeah. Here yeah. you are, just totally looking like a bunch of greasers, man. Yeah, there was, that was the I think the final incarnation. No, you know what? This is the the Wild Teens before Carlos Gomez joined the band. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that was that's funny about that. That's uh, you know the Vargas brothers who are also on Wild Records. That is that is Uncle Ernie's car that was not working, so we pushed it. <laughs> we actually pushed it to take that photograph into the uh, in, into the front lawn, and Uncle Ernie came back and he was absolutely mad because the grass was <laughs> fucked up after that. But a funny little thing there is that uh, the gentleman right in the front kneeling down with me, you can't really tell, but I can because I know what it is. 
that thing hanging from his pocket right towards his butt there mm-hmm. that's a cell phone and that's and he had one of the very first cell phones because cell phones weren't a thing back in that was like 2000 2002 or something 2001 and that he had one of those huge like zach morris saved ones, by the bell yeah. yeah so that's a huge cell phone that's there so you i mean i, I know what exactly what it is but that's awesome yeah. yeah i mean it just captures more and more of the history of, of your career, you know. That was in Pony Boy Magazine. That's a New York well, magazine, right? I don't know. That's what it says there at the bottom. I found it online. and Yeah, that's like a that's a full-on like photography mag- photography and fashion magazine now, I think, in New York. But uh, that's funny that they, they used that. That's a long time ago. Yeah, let's see what else I found here. Um, this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys are all in jail here. Little Luis and those wild teens. That's the same shoot as that last one there. That was for that one CD that we did. I mean, it's a terrible CD. It, that was our very first <laughs> yeah. full-length CD, actually. Mm. Uh, a funny anecdote, that, that came out on Wild Teen Records, which is not Wild Records. Mm-hmm. That was our own record label because Reb kept on saying that we're not ready for an album yet. We need to get back and rehearse. And we were very upset about that. So we went out and did it ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, we paid for everything, and, and Reb was just literally about to his head was going to explode like why would the hell would you do that but back in those days it was only me and omar mm-hmm. uh i didn't think dusty dustin chance and but he was very upset that we went o- over him but we're like but it's just as wild records on it except teen is in the middle of those two words <laughs> but but yeah but it's a very terrible record so we I, I learned my lesson on recording that one but i yeah it's 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 out there so because <laughs> taking advice right as a musician it's it's you can have all the energy and creativity, but letting th- another individual kind of shape and help you find. He, he was, yeah, he was more involved. I guess Red was involved in the punk scene and, and the mod scene and the rockabilly scene. So, and so he was involved in a lot of music and then promoting and stuff like that. So we should have just listened to him when he said, you're not ready for a record yet. Yeah. Keep going at it. But we, we didn't listen. We, <laughs> that came out. But each, but each step along the way, I mean, it, it's natural. I mean, sometimes you're going to misstep and you're going to, you know, step on toes here and there. And it, you guys were just adventurous, you know? Yeah, that was the Rip It Up CD on Wildies Records. <laughs> Let's see. I think then there's this. These are the drag tones, right? That's the drag tones, yeah. That's the very first photo shoot we did, uh, the drag tones there. Yeah, those are uh, all Swedish guys and one Mexican American right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> the front man. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, I'm the front man, and it's so odd because those guys are in very, very successful bands, and it was very odd to one be the guy in the front mm-hmm. and two to continue to record with. How them did you get that way. opportunity, though? Um, well, for anybody listening, those guys are members of the Hives and uh, the Barbed Wires and the Highwinders, all these yeah. like really successful Swedish bands. Um, I, I think around 2007, when the first CD, Brain Jail, on the Wildfire CD came out, we were touring. We did a festival in Spain. A couple of those guys came up to me saying they were looking to do something different, and they liked my energy, mm-hmm. and if I would do it. And then they, were, they mentioned, they dropped a couple names on like who would, who would play. And I was like, yeah, right. That's insane. That's that's absolutely fucking insane. And and in a very cocky way, I was like, well, why don't you contact our manager, Reb, and then we'll talk about it later because I I didn't I didn't believe any of it. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, they did. They contacted me and they said uh, we want to actually do something with you. And um, and I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, how do we do this? You guys live in Sweden, and I live out here. And they said, you have a cell phone. Record songs on a cell phone. Send them to me. 
uh, which is uh, Mike Lindeval, Mike Barbwire. Um, he's a guy between, uh, he's on my left shoulder there and between Vigilante with a beard. And he said, send it to me and I'll rearrange it, work it with the guys. Sure enough, I sent him about four or five songs that I wrote, like two in the morning drinking mm-hmm. on my acoustic. I had a Blackberry then, so I sent him from my Blackberry mm-hmm. and emailed it. Uh, he's like, got it. Uh, you get a plane ticket to come out here like in about a month and we're going to go in the studio. And we did. And we were 11 hours in the studio. To re- That was how we met. Uh, I was like, oh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Here's the band. We have five dates set up. And we're like, what the fuck? These guys are kidding because they're professional guys. I'm not, I yeah. wasn't used to that. And the drag tone started. And we've been, I think we've been going almost 11 years now. We've, we have one full length album on Wild Records and 145 and then a lot of other stuff. Got licensed through uh, Sleazy out of Spain, so mm. now I record out a lot out of Spain through Sleazy uh, with the permission of Wild now. So wow, yeah. But these guys, and we only play when, whenever Vigilante is not touring with the Hives and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So at the moment he is touring with the Hives, so we're not really doing anything. Wow. Well, you brought your guitar. Do you gonna play something for us? Uh, in a bit, in a bit, in a bit. When you get warmed up a little bit. <laughs> In a bit, yeah. I mean, but it's it's really hard to go back to those days. Those days we were um, writing a lot of darker songs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Not 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 so dark anymore. Yeah. I mean, times have changed, you know. Been- yeah, because speaking of dark was the uh, Los Wild Ones, which was the documentary of Wild Records, which captured not only Reb and his experience of you know keeping the label trying to nurture everybody's talents but also you, a struggle you had yeah, a struggle that I, I didn't know i had mm-hmm. yeah and um yeah well basically those wild ones we had we had been approached uh somebody had wanted to use some tracks for uh, a, a movie that they were doing and they picked out a bunch of them and then she, i guess she realized that half the stuff that she picked was from Wild Records, and then she contacted us, and then she met us, and then she's like, you guys are interesting. I don't understand how the hell you guys operate because we're very DIY. So then she goes ahead and um, starts following us. Like, we signed. We didn't even know what we were signing. We just signed stuff, and, and and they started just following us around. And I think halfway through that, um, I realized that I, was, uh, that I had a bit of a drinking problem, and it was very tough doing that. Well... I didn't really know, but it, it was very tough, like being on the road a lot and then, you know, being being a victim of my own pleasures, you know. Mm-hmm. So going in Europe, you get whatever you wanted and, you know, you everything from booze to women to whatever. Mm-hmm. And then coming back home and it was just a slump sitting there barely paying your bills. And so you kept on wanting to keep the party going. So mm-hmm. so you did. And then you realize that you're you got a problem and it happened to be filmed. It happened to be cameras mm-hmm. at that exact time. So. Yeah, it was it was a it was a rough time. It was a rough time, and and I had a hard time with the um, when they released the uh, the movie. I didn't want to see it, and you know, and and then when I realized that it captured something very honest, not just myself, but it captured Omar as well, very honestly, you know, because of a uh, of his son who lives in Germany, which is uh, Vincent mm-hmm. Vinny, named after his uh, he named his barbershop after his son. I mean, which I, I held that young boy in, in my arms in the hospital when he was born. Uh-huh. And then Reb struggled with uh, his father passing away and stuff like that. Like, we all had our own little things there. And I realized it was just honest. And then I was like, well, you know, that's what we all went through. And I think I'm okay with it now, especially the fact that my life is nowhere near what mm-hmm. it was then. Yeah, I think, 
when Rev did a screening at Rally Studios right there across from Paramount. Yeah, were you there? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He had we got invited, so we went. And his uh, his mom had just passed. Ugh. Remember, uh, you know that was yeah. Because there he is re- reliving the experience of of his father passing through film, and then his mom is in the movie still alive, mm-hmm. and his mom just passed, mm-hmm. and now he's taken upon of reliving the passing of his father. And now, and that's what? the one thing about Wild Records that I've at least seen from the outside. Is that not only are you guys close, and I know that you guys, the wild family, the wild family, mm-hmm. and it's not a cliche term. I don't, I don't think you guys just throw it around like, like you know, hey, bro, you know, you know, it, it's we're it, definitely a family. Yeah. As a matter of fact, after this, uh, Reb's son's birthday is today, so they're having a soccer game, which Omar is over there at the moment. So we're mm-hmm. gonna go play soccer with all the kids because it's his birthday today. Mm-hmm. So after this, that's where I'm going to the okay, park. Okay, yeah, <laughs> but it, yeah, we are a family, and in, in amidst all that family of talent and creative people there's addictions there's problems along the way and you guys there's life it just happens to we just happen to have a camera yeah filming ours you know our problems are no bigger than everybody else's problems you know the guy next door has got i'm sure probably tougher things that he's dealing with but Mm -hmm. we just happen to have cameras around us at the time well and you guys aren't on stage as far as what people see right they see you signing autographs selling uh whatever giving them uh, pictures whatever now they get to see behind the scenes yeah yeah i guess so yeah right yeah and, you know everybody farts you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. yes and some it, worse than others <laughs> <laughs> yeah some could clear a room and it's how did your family react because oh now you you have you now it's you and are you married your wife or uh i'm not technically married but she is i consider yeah. my wife we have children and stuff yeah. like that we have a home but but how did your extended family your they haven't seen it okay they they've never seen me perform they didn't see those wild ones they've never seen me perform period my mom and my dad's never seen me on stage oh are you wow yeah um not that they didn't want to it just it never occurred i know that sounds really weird and hard to wrap your head around that but um like growing up when i was still living with them as a teenager like any show that i did was um was late at night so they just were like all right be careful go home you know come back home safe and this and that you, you know you do your gig mm-hmm. and then you know as a, as an adult you know, not living with them anymore you just you know how's it going you got oh you're going back to europe oh why are you still doing it you know they give me your mom gives you mexican mom gives you that mm-hmm. when are you gonna grow up and stop doing this silly thing and mm-hmm. so it's never really occurred and and we've had We've had shows like during the day when we did like an Amoeba in store. I was like, this would have been perfect. Why didn't I invite them? Mm-hmm. Like this was right in the middle of the day. They could have come. They could have come out, and I never did. And they've seen YouTube videos. They have pictures up on their walls as well of me on stage, but they've never physically been to a show. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I don't want them to. It's just, I, I just just hasn't happened. And I I think I think now being almost forty years old, um, and doing this since I was like sixteen. I think now if I see saw them from stage on the audience, I think I'd probably just start crying. I probably wouldn't even be able to yeah. to continue. Just because, I don't know, they've never seen it. So they've never seen a movie. They know of a movie. They, mm. you know, they've gotten witness when I go take my mom or go spend a day with them and we go to Target or something. People come up to me and like, oh, I saw your movie or I've seen your show. So they have an idea of it, but they don't. Or, and now my dad has Facebook. Mm. So he gets to see things that were tagged in videos. and But never they've never seen it so they don't really know the extent of it wow of what i do 
because you went from being a musician to becoming a barber. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, I'm, I'm an apprentice still. So, okay. uh, and I'll, I will forever, I think be, no matter what the state of California says, I will ever forever be an apprentice because I'm working at one of the most amazing jobs. So I'm always going to continue to learn uh, from these, these fine gentlemen for sure. Cause you're there at where we're speaking of uh, Omar Romero's barbershop, which is Vinny's barbershop there in Silver Lake. Yes. And they have an interesting, I think it's one of the most interesting processes to become a barber, which you've gone through, right? Right. Yeah. Tell us about the the, pro- the steps you've gone through. Well, um, I didn't even know I wanted to do this um, initially when I walked in the shop, but Omar's shop was becoming very successful, Vinny's Barbershop, and I was very proud of him for it. And at the time, I needed a job, and he's like, I need a porter. And essentially, the porter is is the, the gentleman who is is the nuts and bolts to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. He's the tape to the box, you know, Mm -hmm. keeps it together, keeps the appointments there and and make sure everything is tidy and everything runs smoothly. So the barbers can just do what they do is cut hair. Mm -hmm. And so I started there and, um, I picked up uh, a few things on how to, which is going to sound really cliche since we're here, but I learned how to be a gentleman from Mm -hmm. that shop. You know, I knew how to be a a stage man before I knew how to, I knew how to do that stuff. And I was a graphic designer before I knew how to, create but i didn't know how to create a haircut i didn't know the beauty of changing somebody's day with mm-hmm. a haircut you know i knew how to do that with like some booze and a couple of rock and roll songs and you know on the stage but this is a whole different other realm um and i learned a lot and from then luckily i got the opportunity to be able to get my own chair which is mm-hmm. when i became an apprentice and i've been apprenticing uh, almost two years now because um, it's a long process. There's a lot of hours you got to put in, mm-hmm. and it's um, it, it's an amazing thing. And like I said, I will forever be an apprentice. I feel because, especially at that job, because there's so much talent there, mm-hmm. and it's, it's it's humbling for sure, humbling for sure. And it's just it, it's just amazing. And I and I never knew the the realm of it. You know, I I, I thought you know you cleaned the guy up and you were nice because they paid you. Mm-hmm. There's more to it than just that. It's incredible, and that's what I fell in love with. You know, and that's what I still love. I love to be able to welcome somebody into my chair and and uh, talk them through whatever they want and what they what they want to accomplish on their day to day with their hair. Mm-hmm. You know, because your hair can can really mess up your day, man. If you're having a bad yeah. hair day, it's not just for girls; it's for guys too. You know, and then just the politeness, being proper to another man, like mm-hmm. you know, treat a person like the way they want to be treated. So it's not just a haircut. Mm-hmm. I know that's the, that's the tagline; it's a haircut, but it, it's a little bit more than that. And I think. Omar knows that, but mm-hmm. but it's also you don't need bells and whistles and you know this and that. It's mm-hmm. just treat a man like a man, and you know. Well, that's the thing about the the model that Omar has there is that way I look at it is it builds it really builds a character and integrity within the barber because you got to learn customer service. You got to be humble, yeah, right? Because you you are essentially the right hand of the actual the barber, right? Right. Towel, prepping towels, yeah, you know, like helping set up stations or whatever, and so you you do have to be humble. Yeah, you can't be like arrogant or a jerk. You you can, but you're probably not gonna last. You won't last. Yeah, <laughs> they will break you down uh, there at that shop. Uh, so I think it develops that deeper sense of being a barber before you even get a shear, a razor, clipper in your hand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. You you nailed it on the head. Absolutely. You get that idea of of how to prep 
for something. Like nothing just happens. You prep for it. So uh, to become a barber, you need to learn the fundamentals of even before the fundamentals of actually cutting hair, but the fundamentals mm-hmm. of what it takes. The tradition of it is is what I love. Like it's what I got involved in music when I was young. You listen to oldies. Why? Because you love that these like the cholo oldies had mm-hmm. they had their own they had their own music, their own look, their own cars, their own women. Well, like you prepped. Like uh, for, for this, like the, the, the barbering, it's like you have your hot towels, you have this, you mm-hmm. prep, it's a, it's a build up. And then the gentleman sits down and you just change that guy's day. And then you, you've, you've, uh, you develop a, a relationship with them mm-hmm. and like, you know, and you tell them things that you don't tell your peers. You don't, you tell them things yeah. that you don't tell them because you have that moment and um, you, you, you give them the, the service that you would want to get and they give the same to you. And then, and then they pay you and mm-hmm. it's just like oh well thanks man like mm-hmm. uh, you know and and that's what i fell in love with the, the tradition and i love the fact that vinnie's taught me that and taught me the the earning the dollar uh from portering to apprenticing and to hopefully in the very near future becoming uh, as far as the state of california knows a full-fledged barber because mm-hmm. right now it's just an apprentice license that i have apprentice mm-hmm. barber license as far as the state of california the the porter becomes the first point of contact for the customer when they come in the shop. Yeah. And barbering is a, cust- a customer service industry. It is providing it is. a service. Mm-hmm. And if the barbers, and then there's, I've been in shops. I know it may be hard to believe everybody, but I've been in shops where there's douchebags in there. Just guys that... I, I don't even know why somebody would pay them to even cut their hair. Oh, yeah. You know, and if they don't realize that that person, when they walk in, represents not only their business, but money and a friendship or whatever, whatever you develop with the people. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you just have an understanding, right? Mm-hmm. Which is fine. You don't need to sit there and like, you know, confess in a feeling, <laughs> 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 you know, but it's an understanding. It is a relationship. You know, to a certain degree, for me, it was hard with, uh, you know, when Carlos passed and then I, I switched to, to in the same shop and, you know, I'm glad Angel's there and he mm-hmm. does a great job. But it's it is that sense of trust. Yeah. Not only that you're not going to fuck up my hair. You know? yeah, yeah, no. And, and a lot of times it's just like anybody can give you a good haircut. There's just good barbers anywhere, you know, but it's it's who do you feel comfortable with? Mm-hmm. Who, who, who do you want to sit with and chit chat and will know about you and know you, you know, know about your family and you tell them about how bad your day was. Mm-hmm. And then when you walk away, like, you know, when they walk away, it, it's much better, you know, yeah. like it's the trust. It's not just the haircut, you know, obviously you try to give the best haircut you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it's a trust, you know, yeah, trust I, I, tr- I trust Angel. If I say something, it's not going further than us. Yeah. You know, and I'm not going to sit there and talk shit about people, you know, yeah. <laughs> but that if I just say something, you know, whatever, I'm having a bad day or, you know, I'm struggling with a project or whatever, you know, and it is, it feels good. Yeah. That right there probably feels better before than before he even puts the mirror up to, for me to see. Yeah. I already feel better. Like a counseling session. <laughs> no, it's true. It's what it is, you know, and sometimes it can be draining too. Sometimes it's like, yeah. I mean, you have to know how to put your, uh, personal lives, uh, on a back burner for a second, you know, and give this gentleman mm-hmm. because, because in the, in, in the end, in the end, it's like you need them as much as they need you. Mm-hmm. So in the end, you have to give them what, what, what you need to give them, you know, cause you know, they're going to pay you for it. 
You know, they pay for it, and you're thankful for that. But yeah, the trust is the big thing, and it's a lot of things that I, I, I didn't notice with a lot of other barbershops. And again, this is the only barbershop I've ever worked at, but getting my haircut in other barbershops, I'm just like, ah, you know, it's a great haircut, but mm, it's a little rough, you know? Like, I, yeah. I, I kind of just wanted to get my haircut and get the hell out, you know? <laughs> and it was a great haircut, that's why I went back, but really, am I going to come back more times? I'm probably not, you know? So, and that's what Vinny's has taught, I think, me and a lot of the guys are at the shop. Yeah, I could go on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and there's a lot of people there. And I think, what, <laughs> how come you guys don't all work? But that's the thing is people need to understand You're if you're a barber, if you're in it for the long haul, you're building your foundation every day. Mm-hmm. You're building onto the house that you want to eventually you know, live in for the rest of your life. Yeah. If you're doing it for a fad, then you know what? Bleed it dry and then leave because then... In 10 or 15 years or five years or five months, when the barber collapse happens again, yeah, and there's still going to be barbering, but it's not going to be like trending, right? then the customers you've built are going to still be there, yeah. which is the ones money, you want, the, the income yeah. versus bleeding it dry, raping and pillaging. And then what's going to happen when, when the implosion happens? You're going to be like, guy was always a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or he was always on his cell phone. Yeah, yeah, self. Yeah, I mean, all those, Man. all those little things are eaten halfway through my haircut. Like he's munching on sandwiches. I never understood that. When I seen that happen. I'm like, you can't. I mean, take a moment. <laughs> Tell the gentleman you need ten minutes to step away. Yeah, you need a, yeah. But whatever. Yeah, we provide a service. Yeah, and that's barbering, and that's a great, great. I enjoy that. I really do. I, I really can't say enough about the model that Omar's built there. And I hope other shops out there, if any barbers out there listening. You guys think about it. It's not a threat. Don't feel threatened by guys coming in, right? Because that's a young guy or somebody else coming up in the industry. Some people, I've been in barber shops where I've seen a barber give a difficult haircut longer because longer is typically difficult. You need mm-hmm. scissors or shears. And I've seen younger guys go ask the barber, how are you doing that? Can you show me? And I've, I've seen barbers say, fuck you. I ain't going to tell you. Yeah, yeah. Do you, I'm not teaching you my tricks. Because, yeah, they're going to lose <laughs> clients because now that barber is able to do the more difficult or, and I don't even know if they're difficult. They're just more skill, I think. Well, what, what, I've, what I've noticed is that, um, let's say your clientele specifically, you just happen to have this type of clientele, this type of haircut and, you know, a, d- a different gentleman with a different longer cut or something like that, uh, or, or maybe something more urban or something that comes in. You're like, you know, I, I don't, I don't, that's not my forte. I don't really know so much. So I'm going to ask a guy who's actually done that. And there's no shame in asking anybody else, hey, man, what would you do in mm-hmm. this? Like, how would I approach this? And it's not that you can't do it. It's just they have that, that is their forte. So they will come in and guide you, lead you, and uh, essentially show you something that they've learned along the way. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's amazing. I think we, that's amazing what you can do at that, at, at our barbershop, you know, mm-hmm. that, I, you know, and I have amazing guys that, uh, that I work beside like Brian Burt, who's been around for many, many years. And mm-hmm. uh, like Victor, the barber, who's, you know, phenomenal, you mm-hmm. know, and there's, there's many other guys there at the shop too, that, that they all have their specialty in a certain cut. So there's no mm-hmm. shame in asking them. It doesn't make you look bad. I think the customer wouldn't immediately appreciate that going like, this is great. You guys are united. Mm-hmm. You guys, you guys have a bond here, man. Like help each other out. You know, it's all about it's about giving a good service and a good cut, as opposed to like, no, you're my guy. 
you're my guy. It's my money. Yeah, it's yeah. my money. That, that's, that's just ridiculous. And it's that sense of always learning, of, of being willing to learn, not only learning from other individuals, but the willingness to learn, to say, like Angel one day, somebody came in the shop and they wanted a design. And Angel goes, you know what? If you have a picture, I'll give it a try. And I, and I sat there and I thought, he didn't go, oh, that's not a traditional haircut. Yeah. Sorry. Which probably would have, and it, it was a kid, you know, uh, preteen, you know? Yeah. I thought that would have probably crushed the kid. Yeah. It would have been like, fuck it, just take me to Supercuts or whatever, you know? Yeah, you don't send anybody away. You tell them, yeah, you know? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I can't guarantee. And I mean, he sat there and the kid pulled up an image and I thought, that's what barbering is. It's learning and having that customer service mindset because this kid may be a patron now for the next 30 or 40 years of his career if he treats them right you know be smart have courtesy have courtesy man yeah. when they walk in the shop if they're not greeted or you know addressed as a human being because <laughs> you have to man that's you don't want to be rude to people that's a good way to lose customers absolutely i mean in, in like like I said before, um, you need them as much as they need you. So why, why shove anybody away? I mean, treat them well; they'll treat you back. No, because well you have and- fifty thousand followers, and you, you you have trophies, and you have uh, barber battle belts. Oh, that's great. You know what I mean? You have a headlamp on your head and some black. <laughs> I'm just kidding. if you're out there and you're offended because I just said that, then guess what? Another un- un- follow me. Barber belts like WWF belts. I like, got right on, dude. <laughs> you can fade and also clothesline a dude. That's not bad. Anyway, arriba, no, not, arriba, yeah, yeah, no, Santana, not, no. arriba. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. Pile drive. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would like, I would like to see a, a true barber battle. Like you know, put them in the octagon. <laughs> <laughs> the octagon. Oh, you're going gnarly. <laughs> you know, I mean, if we're gonna call it a battle. You know what I mean? Let's get let's get uh, Spartan on this situation. A, a little more than just the fisticuffs. You got to go down. Well, you're going down with knees and elbows. Well, well, and- I, I had a friend here, and we did a podcast, and, and he kind of was just ranting about whatever the hell was pissing him off. And one of the things he brought up was barber battles. And he said, yeah, when he first started watching it, or, or he saw it online, he saw a tag. So he clicked it because he thought it was like he thought it was like ufc for barbers oh (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know because he was you know he really was talking a lot of shit about it and to me it was like hey at certain point you got to call spade a spade right Uh, you know what i mean and i i know i'm I'm in this barber love culture i think some of the great stories that live on are the ones of adversity of conflict of uh, i did a documentary 120 years of barbering and fred 75 years old at the time tells a story in orange county a barber starts a shop starts undercutting everybody price wise and so all the barbers in the area come to him and they're like hey man you're like fucking you're undercutting everybody you got to raise your prices like everyone else be be on average on par and this guy's like no 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 and he starts opening chains a chain shop well his barber shop got blown up physically blown up i'm not encouraging violence but what i'm saying is is that in in like any ancient where was this in orange county in the like the 70s or 80s or maybe in the 60s because they were this, barbering. this is like a well-known story right it's in is my it? documentary he okay, said it. Okay, he actually said he said the guy's name and he said we don't know who but somebody blew up his barbershop i feel like i read it somewhere and i was i was dumbfounded by the whole thing i'm like yeah. whoa, whoa that's insane or the story of liam liam um 
Liam Finnegan in Ireland in Dublin, Waldorf Barbershop. He, uh, his father before him was a barber. And so Liam's like, I don't know, in the 60s or 70s. Mm-hmm. So this is really, really traditional. And his dad had a barber shop and he was basically like the porter. Mm-hmm. He would clean, prepare stuff for his dad and this little kid. And the dad would pay him and his friend to go stand on the corner of the other guy's shop with a towel with red paint and stand there holding it to oh, their geez. neck saying that the barber had cut them. <laughs> oh, that's insane. That's awesome and insane. <laughs> right? But but I thought it's that sense of when you have so much pride in something and somebody not threatens, but like a blacksmith, right? Right. If there was two blacksmiths on the same street, I don't think they're going to be posting selfies and saying, blacksmith love, bro. <laughs> you know? Uh, congratulations here's a fresh set of shears or so. I, I'm not like I said I do not encourage violence against anybody but I'm saying at a certain point people should I believe call it at least call a spade a spade say yeah. you don't need a, helm, a headlamp unless you're a miner or right. working under a car or in a tunnel you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> or, or gloves unless you're a surgeon you know don't say you're a barber surgeon unless you're yanking teeth out you know or bloodletting or something so anyways, that's that's my two cents. I'm probably a penny short on that. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 I love your rent. I love your rent. <laughs> See, I just what I'm, really grinds my gears is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we can't as, as much as Johnny Cash says, walk the line. We can't always walk it. Sometimes we got to pick a side and and you can blur it as much as you can. But well, what you guys are doing. Thousands of years, man at least documented 7,000 years. That's crazy, huh? It's pretty it's pretty nuts. Which I, who did I talk to? I had Bob, Mitch Wilson here, the voodoo barber from that Barbarella event happening mm-hmm. in LA. And we were talking, I said, you know, in ancient Egypt, seven, 8,000 years ago, the thing that separated a barber from a, a hairdresser, which they had two distinctions, in ancient Egypt. In ancient Egypt. Mm-hmm. All the way back then, they were distinguished. A barber was distinguished from a hairdresser. And the hieroglyph for a barber was, guess what it was? A, a sword or something. A razor. A razor. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't imagine a razor back in that time, so that's why I thought sharp Which object. Which is interesting because that's what distinguishes, at least in the state of California, yeah. legally, I don't know who comes out, the hair police or what, but from <laughs> cosmetologists or stylists yeah, yeah, the, the is razor. a straight razor. Yeah, the razor. The ability yeah. to use it. And from way back then, that's amazing. That's know what that. distinguished it. And it was the hieroglyph for the word barber was a razor. See, this is why I love this. Just the history, all these little things like that. It's amazing. Just how I nerd out with music. I'm starting to do that and with uh, with. Uh, with with Barbara and oh dude I, I interviewed a Egyptologist from he was in London we did it over uh, Skype and he his uh, PhD was in ancient hair and hairstyles from Egypt and so I, I learned a ton he That's sent amazing. me photos of razors uh, blades basically that were uh, from the Bronze Age found in Pharaoh's tombs wow uh, Tutankhamun <laughs> had one the barbers so if you were a barber the Pharaoh to the Egyptians were gods. So you are shaving and cutting a god. Yeah. So imagine the trust that the royal barber had. Yeah, no, I mean. Uh, you off, got a blade. 
it's not just off with the uh, God's head, but off with your head if you did a bad job. And when and guess what? When the barber died, you died. And when the, when the pharaoh died, you died. Wow. They were buried around the tomb. They weren't buried in the tomb because the pharaoh needs to look good in the afterlife. That is insane. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's you got to send me links to all this stuff. I'd love to re- read up <laughs> yeah. and nerd out about yeah, that. It, it's I, amazing. And to me, that is, that, that's why when I see any barber, I think you guys are part of this ancient. It goes back to the caveman who, who chipped the obsidian or flint uh-huh. and goes, hey, I could cut this freaking shag off my head. I could shave. That's what they started with, the flint or yeah. obsidian. Yeah. To, to cut. It became the first razor ever. And that's as ancient as this profession. And that's why guys need to realize if they're doing it as a sport, as a game, as a hustle for trophies, for like we were talking early off camera, you have to give it dignity. Yeah. A profession like a doctor, right? A doctor's not going to be like, I'm going to the open heart (laughs) surgery battle. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see who can sew up this dude quicker. (laughs) All right. Posting selfies with the with the open heart. You know? No, I know. <laughs> but it's the same profession. And people go, oh, no, we're a part. We were barber surgeons. Yeah. Well, then conduct yourself as a doctor. In a respectable manner, yeah, A absolutely. professional. In a very professional manner, absolutely. I mean, everybody's got their things, but I'm just saying to a certain degree, that's the his, that's the bloodline yeah. that you guys all are. are and that's that- what I love about it. I love the fact that there's a history there. I love the, that, that there's... there's uh, there's, that's why I'm always learning. Like you yeah. just taught me quite a bit. That's why I want you to send me some links or something. <laughs> yeah, I, and that's what I love because you will always find something else. Just like with music, you will always find another band. You will always find another record that blow your mind. It's not like that's it. I found what I like, and that's the end of that. No, there's it's endless. Oh yeah, I got, I got a endless. I got a good article. I'll send you. It was in a Harvard Journal, academic journal from the '40s. Oh, awesome! About the first barber shops in in Rome, mm-hmm. Greece. Which is a real, I mean, I'm like, these guys weren't doing it in the 40s. It wasn't popular, but they're writing about ancient barbering. Anyways, that's all the good stuff of barbering. And I like it. Like I said, I encourage anybody, any shop out there, or if people want to get into a, 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 a process of, if you could become a porter, if you could become an apprentice, to learn the mentoring. Oh, I encourage that without a doubt. I mean, not just because I'm going through it, but, but I think you learn a lot more than going six months to a barber school and paying $10,000 or whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you go full time and then you come out and you're just like, well, I know to fade now, I think, mm-hmm. you know, and just start chopping hair. It's like, there's more to it. There's, there's, there's really, it's, it, it, it's beautiful, man. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, well, I think in anything creative music, barbering, even what I do, I have a mentor, somebody who I was older, who's got more years under the belt oh, yeah. that I, I still bounce stuff off because I haven't arrived. I can make. I can have accomplishments which are different mm-hmm. versus arriving. I, I will never arrive to my full potential, but I will have accomplishments. Right? I'm not gonna because it's part of learning, part yeah. of continually to learn. To I think yesterday on yesterday's show, I didn't have time because Omar actually kind of showed up a little bit early. Not too much more, but I didn't have time, and literally I only had two things jotted on my notes. <laughs> really? I had the episode number and the date. And, but if you're not creative, yeah, you, you got to be able to 
get, get in there. I mean, the second that somebody throws your curveball, you can't crumble. That's yeah. that's what I meant. That's what I what I said earlier. What I meant about uh, Vinny's Barbershop, where when you start off there as an apprentice, like uh, you're kind of fed to the wolves because you have so many amazing guys at, uh, around you, and then you just got to go. You got to give them everything. You get not mm-hmm. just a good haircut or the best of your ability at the time, but make sure that he's comfortable. Make sure that he knows you talk to him. You know, you the the consultation is 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 the most important thing of all. Mm-hmm. Make him feel comfortable. Talk, ask him as many questions. Ask him the same question ten different times. You know, make sure that you know. See what when they walk in. See what they're wearing. He looks like a businessman, so more than likely, if he tells me a two, it probably be uh, this instead of this. You know, but you know, you all mm-hmm. that you take all that into consideration. Then you ask him what to do on the weekends, and you're like, ah. Then you get an idea of what. It is that he wants as mm. as a haircut. You know, that's you take all that. Into you, have to, you have to understand people. You you have to. I really think you have to because doing a two in a size and a little bit off the top on one guy is completely different than doing two in a sides and a little bit off the top to a different guy. Mm-hmm. So a young kid asking for that and a businessman asking for that, you treat those two services differently and you approach the haircut mm. slightly differently. Obviously, they have different hair uh, types, but. But, you know, one you know that you can be a little more loose with. Mm-hmm. You can talk to them about it. You know, maybe one worst product. Maybe the other one doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff. You brought a record. You left it off set. You want to get it and put it on? And- yeah, well, that was a gift for you. That was actually the very uh, first Wild Records release. This is the one we did with Reb after we did his mm-hmm. show for him in, uh, in San Francisco. But, yeah, I mean, we can play it if you yeah, like. Yeah, if you want to get it's it. It's terrible. I'm going to tell you now. It really is. It's not, <laughs> That's okay. It's, That's okay. It's not, it's not my best work. <laughs> we were kids. Well, let me grab it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's this this this. So we can just show there. it to the camera right there so you can see it. There you so, go. So uh yeah, as you can see, it's supposed to be wild Mexican rock and roll. I don't know how wild <laughs> it is. So it's little Luis and those wild teens. Want yeah. to drop the needle? Yeah, whenever you're ready. We did a dry run of it earlier, so let's hope it. Still makes me laugh when I hear it. Well, yeah, it says Wild Promotions record. Yeah, because there was no Wild Records yet. Yeah, I've heard Omar's do, do this one. Yeah, he uh, he wrote a song that was very similar to this. So jokingly, um, on live, I think he would ask me to come up and sing a portion of it since it was basically the same melody and the same song. So then when he when it did his record, he just decided to do partially this and then the song that he wrote. Just you know, kind of just a. So it has two bands on here. Oh yeah. So so essentially, the the other side is another band called the Blue Suede. So the the flip. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are the two bands that I guess impressed Reb mm-hmm. uh, initially. Like we were the first one to go up there, and then when he came back down here, he went to one of our shows, 
and he uh, saw that band and, and he was just like, man, he's uh, another young Mexican rock and roll band. But they were more on the doo-wop side, so he's like, I, I'd like to put them on the other side, mm-hmm. and you know, just you know, just just to do it. And um, you know, a lot of those guys, um, they're not really around anymore, like playing music, except for one of them, Joe Perez, the drummer. He went on to play with Big Sandy for for quite a few years, and um, I think he's now just playing some jazz stuff in local clubs. But mm. I'm not really sure what happened to the rest of the guys. I know one of the guys uh, I still keep contact with vaguely through Facebook, but. Um, but yeah, I guess. Um, no, I think it sounds great. I I, I know you said that uh, you know you're embarrassed, but I, I think it sounds really good. I mean, in the sense of, <laughs> it just sounds like one of those old records from the fifties. It, it was just it was what we were doing. Like you know, um, funny because that song was like a, supposed to be a fast song, and Reb was Reb was the one that said, um, "I want that one slower." Mm-hmm. And we're like, "You're crazy, old man. <laughs> what are you talking about?" He's like, "No, that'll be a good song. Slower. Slow that thing down." Which is interesting because it does kind of have that little bit of like a a stroll little vibe to it. You know what I mean? It, it, slower it sounds almost sleazy with that uh, saxophone, which is was right up our alley. The back back alley stuff. The probably. back <laughs> the right? back alley stuff. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean, it was just a song that we did back then, and um, no, I mean, it's just we're just young musicians. We we were just barely doing it. My obviously, I sound a lot younger. Just many, many cigarettes ago, and many, many <laughs> shots of tequila ago. Angel with hair. Yeah, that's right, Angel. I just said that. <laughs> that actually, that's why I didn't recognize him. I, I kept staring at it, and I go, I think that's Angel in the video. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 2004 okay. Viva. Yeah, full locks. <laughs> hey, but then when you said Angel, oh, our drummer Angel, and I go, that is Angel. That's my barber right there. Yeah. Is there are two songs on here, or is it just one? There is. The other one's even more terrible than that one. <laughs> That makes me want to hear it then. Oh, yeah. We 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 wanted to be like Bill Haley meets, I don't know, meets some trashy other rock and roll guy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad we went for the trashier side after this track. <laughs> so it's just, you know. I think this is like 1998, 1989, or something like that. It's definitely before before Y2K. It's pre Y2K. It's your roots. It's your roots. It's your heritage. It's your 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 history. You know, it's those. Yeah. It's the foundation. You know, the foundation for your life and your career. Because when you get up there, you still have these. These are not just memories of some distant, long past. It's still you. You know, part of what makes you, like you said, now you've you've learned as a musician, as a showman, to be up there. You know, you've adapted and you've learned, which makes it even yeah. more interesting because. Yeah, we were breaking guitars and doing all kinds of nonsense, playing seven songs because one of us was way too drunk, and and now you learned how to hold your alcohol now, <laughs> so you still play anyway. But yeah, 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 it was it was a long time ago. It was it was good. I, I I love it. I will never. I mean, recording this record is one of the greatest things I think happened to my life, beside like meeting my wife and having my kid, my my daughter now. But um, changed my life doing this stuff, you know. And then now. Another one that I can add to that same uh, bookmark would be like uh, deciding to be a barber and having mm-hmm. working beside um, one of my bestest friends. Because that's part of it. That's part of the your life is that, yeah, you have bumps and scrapes along the way and probably things that 
you know, we all have regrets, man. There's nothing wrong with it as long as we don't stay stuck. Well, the only regret I have is not barber, starting barbering a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I would have been ready for it yet. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think uh, I think it came into my life at the the right time that it needed to come in. I think I, I, very young and egotistical, you know, as one does when, when you're 24 and mm-hmm. going to Europe and getting things handed to you, you know, easily. Um, it came at the right time and where I, I get it, I understand it. And, and fatherhood came at the right and, time. And, and father, yeah, fatherhood was, uh, and being a dad was, uh, is, like I said, one of the greatest accomplishments that I can, that I've had in my life. I, I enjoy. It. I mean, I'm not a stalker on so, social media, but I enjoy I your. I put post. it out there for people to see it because I'm proud of yeah. my life. It, it, for me, because after watching those wild ones and then meeting you at Omar's at Vinny's Barbershop. And just, you know, talking, I didn't think you were like a lush or like this guy's all fucked up. You know, every time <laughs> I saw you, I didn't think that. But you post what's in your mind and in your heart. You know, it's not like, yeah. you know, there's some people who are doing like douchey posts, right? Like you're just like, oh, fuck, really? You know what I mean? Like, God, I should unfollow because you're just clogging my feet up. You're killing me. I know, I'm clogging my feet up with my kid these days and, and some records and stuff like that. But. But that's I, normal, man. Yeah, I'm, prou- I'm proud of my life now. I'm, I'm, I've always been proud of my life. I've, I've had a couple dark, dark areas, and it, which, which is wh- why I wrote the type of songs that I wrote then, mm-hmm. you know. And this is why it's very difficult to write music at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, even though I, I'm due for a record in the next couple months, so I'm actually writing now. And my wife, being the, the amazing lady she is, she, she's writing, helping me write lyrics and mm-hmm. helping me understand. Because you know, I talk to Reb, I think, uh, every day to every other day. And we talk about, like, that I got to get back into it. And, and not just that. We talk about our lives, too. But um, I can't write the same way anymore. I used to write write before about the romance of the the drunk and the womanizer and the, uh, you know, you know going to bed under the stars. And, you know, because, you know, because and I, and I, that's how I lived. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't live like that anymore. You know, I, I enjoy people like Tom Waits and stuff like that who still write about that and. I, and, and Nick Cave and whatnot, and I just got to be able to, to to create that character. Now, before I was that person, now I w- need to create that character so I can continue to write either that way or try to write what my life is like now. And that's what makes it really hard um, to try to write about what my life is now. You know, will it connect musically? You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. So that that's where I'm at the moment because I'm, I'm due. I mean, I, Fractones just released a new single that just came out like a couple of days ago mm-hmm. in Spain, um, but. Um, it's typical rock and roll, but I wildfires I use more for more personal writing. Mm-hmm. You know, like half the songs are dark. You know, except for that one. You know, that one's over twenty years ago. But um, yeah, they're dark, and I don't know how to write like that. You know, I mean, I don't know how to write beside that. I, I like um, the Almond Brothers. I think the song is called Jessica. Mm-hmm. It's just an instrumental. I believe the guitar is Dicky Betts. Mm-hmm. He did it. He was watching his daughter crawl. Mm. And he played his guitar to the way he envisioned as she crawled. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful song. And okay, I think, I'm looking that up when I when I get out of here. Yeah, I believe that's, it's called Jessica. Great. And I think it's sometimes when we turn a page in life or start a new chapter, like myself, right? I didn't, this came because of whatever, whatever my tragic circumstance, but I have to be true to myself in yeah. my voice yeah. my voice can be positive because maybe there's somebody out there that are going to struggle and if i don't say something how do i know my words 
maybe didn't help one person. If there's one person out there struggling with depression, anxiety, pain, suffering, whatever. Which fuck. is all things I'm familiar with, by it, the way. <laughs> because people need to hear it. Yeah. That they're, like Omar said yesterday, they're not alone. No, yeah. We got scars. We got beatdowns. We got all these things in life, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever it is. To ins- not like, you know, I can get up there in Kumbaya, my you know, situation, you know. <laughs> But it's being real in, in a non-corny, but being an original still. Yeah. You know, I don't, I'm not out there trying to to make myself into a caricature, right? Yeah. What people expect. Yeah. I'm going to be myself, whether one person likes it, but if success is completing what I started, the results aren't up to me. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. That, 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 that's amazing. Um. Because I've always had the saying of like, uh, I forgave myself for all the bad things I did in the past. And yeah. if people haven't forgiven me, that's not my problem anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I forgave myself and so has my immediate family for anything I've done in the past and how crazy and nutty I was and all the bullshit I put them through and things I did to myself. Um, I, I've moved on and if other people haven't, then that's no longer my problem. You can't be a prisoner. You can't be a prisoner no. to other people. What what do they say? Um, not forgiving somebody is taking a, swallowing a pill of poison, hoping the other person dies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, yeah. Yeah it's, yeah. it's perfect. You yeah. have to be. It's a lyric right there. You have to be free. <laughs> yeah. Freedom. What, what it, uh, Chris Christopherson says uh, from the Janice, jo- Janice Joplin did it, but. Uh, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Nothing left, yeah. Which is a Chris Christopherson song. That Great songwriter, yeah. Yeah, which people don't know yeah. this guy. Was I mean, like, he wrote stuff for Johnny Cash. Everybody. Phenomenal. You know? Yeah. Um, not, Sunday Morning Coming Down is the phenomenal Johnny Cash track, but Chris Christopherson. Yeah. yeah. But that's it. It's that freedom of saying is, I don't have to live in the past or even as of yesterday or the last hour or two. I am Every moment that they call a present, is an opportunity for me to to live free, yeah. regardless of what people think and whatever. And that, that's what I like is, is is for you, where you've been and the things you've experienced in your history, that they they they're authentic, they're original. You're not. Well, I mean, I can only be myself, right? I can't be anybody else. And I mean, it, but you know, a lot of people do that, right? A yeah. lot of people try to be a caricature, which is you know an exaggerated persona. That's really not. I mean, human. as a writer, as music as a writer, like I had mentioned, Tom Waits, like I, I, I can attempt to write that way and create a persona, but that, but that would be just, just like a writer was, just like uh, Hemingway. He wrote a lot about his life, but he created a lot of characters. He put himself, mm-hmm. and then you read his, you read his novels and stuff, and you're like, whoa, Hemingway really did this. Well, that was the character he created. Mm-hmm. As, as far as songwriting, I, I either need to do that or basically start writing. Um, uh, children's <laughs> children's records now I, I don't know so i'm i'm battling that sort of uh that, that sense at the moment where where, where I, what i need to do with that because it's, it's tough because if you listen to a lot of my other records are pretty damn dark mm. pretty damn dark you know they're 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 uh, walking down the uh, line of suicide and stuff like that you know it was just, it was what it was it's just what it was and it's embarrassed by it or anything but it was the drinking and the everything on the women and bad decisions bad decision after bad decision and I mean, now like I'm putting up videos on my Instagram of like my kid 
holding herself up on my guitar. I'm like, no, <laughs> she's on the Sunburst Strat, girl. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. But that is a great photo. I'm like, that should be blown up. Because it goes back to... That's her standing for like the first time on a goddamn my 57 guitar that I use yeah. on a lot of the, your videos. I, that I, you thought, it, I thought it was a 57 at first. Yeah, the sunburst. Yes, yeah, so it's all the ones that from some of the videos I use, that's like the guitar. And she's crawling up. I'm like, wow, that, that, that moment right there was just it's surreal. It's just like, you look where that guitar was 20 years ago to where it's at now. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And now it's just channeling that energy from that little person. <laughs> into your mind and into your fingers and into your hands as you write lyrics, which will produce, like I said, uh, there's nothing wrong with, with encouraging and it doesn't have to be corny. You know, it could be in a positive way. I do have some things written down, but uh, so new albums definitely coming up, you know, new new albums coming up. I I think I'm scheduled to go into the studio. I think in two, two months, if I think Reb wants it a little earlier, but I think I said two months. But um, it's definitely before October. And that's for the wildfires. So that's what that's what you have yeah. currently going yeah. is uh, a new album you'll be working on. Yeah. Uh, any other projects besides the drag tones? Uh, no, that's really it. I mean, I th- I think the this new wildfires is going to determine whether I'm going to really work a new direction or stay to the same vein. And by new direction, it would mean will I just use my name and not use wildfires? So we'll see as I continue to write. But, um, I mean, I continue to work with uh, amazing guys like Noah Martinez and Victor Mendez, who works with the Rhythm Shakers, and they're, they're the they're house musicians at, at Wild Records. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to continue to work with them and see what I develop and um, see where it goes from there, I guess. I mean, you know, I, I want to give myself a deadline, but at the same time, I know now that I'm going to live a lot longer than I thought I was, mm-hmm. so I have more time. Well, I'm glad you're going to live a lot longer than what you thought. Um, and tour-wise, what do you have coming up? Uh, I, I specifically said that I didn't want to tour the rest of this year mm-hmm. because I, a couple months ago I was gone for about a week. I did some Sweden dates and, and Spain with both bands, uh, Wildfires and Direct Tones. And then within that week that I was gone, my daughter learned how to uh, crawl and stuff like that. So I was like, God damn it. So I was like, Reb, do not book me anything for this year. So I'm not leaving for this year until my daughter's at least a little bit over one. Mm-hmm. She'll be one in September. And then next year, uh, there's already working on some dates, I think, to get out of the country in February and one in the middle of uh, the year. So mm-hmm. like June or July. But the, as far as uh, gigs coming up that I do have lined up would be October with Tiger Army at the October Flame, which I think mm-hmm. is the 20th of October. And then the Viva Las Vegas already next year, mm-hmm. and the Nashville Big Boogie, which is I think uh, before Vegas, I think that's when that is next year as well. Mm-hmm. So there's bigger stuff already lined up next year, but definitely this year I, I just want to, I kind of, I, I you know I'm I'm putting the the father jacket on and you're a family it, man. You're it, a family. It feels man. nice. It feels nice. It's stability. I mean, I think in a way <laughs> it kind of lends a little stability to the to the boat that's out there on the you know. Yeah. Because we have to, we have to have something that grounds us to the earth. Because it's easy to be no. lost in in the world. That's sometimes, yeah. sometimes, honestly, the world can suck. And the life world can, can right? suck. The world can suck. But you got to pull out what's good behind it. You know, you got to find the the, the sun rays. Yeah, the, the light, not just being in darkness out there. So, is there anything else you want to talk about besides play music? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, well, whatever. I'm mean, like I said, I'm 
you can ask me anything you want. We can we can do whatever you want. Well, if you don't mind, play a song or two. Sure. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. And just tell whatever whatever story or whatever you want to talk about that song. And well, it is kind of early in the morning for rock and roll. But funny enough, I uh, I brought my uh, stepson's uh, guitar that I. Uh, the one with these Sex Pistols, Beatles, and the Addicts <laughs> stickered on. Um, I, I, I guess I, I guess going back to some of the darker songs, this is a song that I wrote a while ago. It only came out on, I think, uh, one of the Wild Records comps. But I've done it for a few years now. Um, it's called uh, How Long? So I'm going to give it a shot here. must I wait you who feel the same how long must I cry I don't feel this hurt inside how strong how strong must I be for you how long how long must I wait how long how long Stories don't tell me no lies. If you love me, baby, don't say goodbye. How strong, how strong must I be for you? How long, how long must I wait? Oh, Man, that was, that was, you know, I know you say they're dark, but it's that, it's a sense of still of whether it's waiting, patience, perseverance in life, whatever it is, it could be a loved one, uh, could be a, a child. Yeah, and for anybody who does not familiar with my music, um, it's a whole lot more upbeat than that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking lyrically, lyrically, uh, as far as the, the. Because it's it's human like I, I like when I sat here with Willie G I said a song it'll never be over for me you know some people could be like man that's a fucking depressing borderline stalker obsessed you know this should be like Dateline NBC material here you know <laughs> yeah. but but it's it's something we could all relate to because pain is part of life yeah hell to bring a child into this world is pain it is uh, yeah I mean. I, I, Pain and love and go hand in hand, really. It, without it, with, there isn't the other. Without the gratefulness, you can. I, 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 I believe without gratefulness, you can't be happy. Yeah. If you're not, if you don't go thankful for, there's a house, there's water, electricity, my family. I mean, there was a moment in my life where I, 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 I had to decide whether I wanted. Um, whether I wanted uh, electricity or like hot water, mm-hmm. and I, I would have to choose. And what was ironic about that is that I, I was like, well, maybe neither because I got to go to Europe for two months. 
And I'm like, how how is that even? <laughs> well, this is a weird decision I'm making mm-hmm. here. Whether I want power or do I want hot water, like or gas? I mean, sorry. So, do I want my stove to work or or do I want lights? Mm-hmm. And 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 it was odd because you would have to decide that, and then you were like, as you would sit there in the dark, or maybe not in the dark, mm-hmm. but cold food. But you were like, now I got to go to Europe for three months and be like, you know, have people want to talk to me and shake my hand. Have, and a, take sta- a, have a high status. Yeah, you know? it's just so fucking weird, man. <laughs> it's so weird. But, you know, it's, it was all my doings. It was all my doings because I wasn't always like that. You know, I did, did well in my early days. You know, I was a graphic designer at a big company at the NBC Studios. Mm-hmm. Dad earned a lot of money in my early 20s, but I did everything possible to get rid of that. Well, without, without contrast... Then we don't see the the depth, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Without light, there's no darkness. Without darkness, there's no light. Yeah. Without the that op- polar opposites, and when we have to find ourselves somewhere yeah. in the middle to be able to go, well, fuck, I can wake up today and function, and or wake up and be like, God damn it, another day. <laughs> and you know, a lot of people today, I think that's one of the realities that I live with is the sense of today. Not a lot of people have today was their last. Yeah, I mean, and it's not to be morbid and dark, but a sense of without a contrast. Yeah, I won't see it if I don't see my my son, right? If, if without my son, it's harder to feel that now. There's like an object of you feel you feel everything more now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Their I, smile. I was already emotional to begin with, and then like now with 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 my daughter, is just like holy crap. Any anything <laughs> anything gets you now. It gives you, feel you everything a, more. It grounds. For me, I feel it grounds. Back to the earth of what's yeah. really important. What's really, you know, the other stuff we do is also has significance in life. Because like I told you, all this will live on as well, once we're dead. There's some people be going, you know, these guys were sitting in the 13th floor in Whittier's tallest building. It is the greatest view I've seen in a long time <laughs> in these mermaid fountains. And they're going to be like, 13th floor of Whittier's tallest building. <laughs> the tallest is eight. <laughs> but. <laughs> That's funny. Um. But it's at the end what we leave and the end of relationships we have because it's energy, man. It's it's yeah. keeping that positivity in life that I that I hope you continue, man. I hope your your life and your family that you continue to grow and you continue to evolve and find fill your new shoes, right? Because well, well, thank you. I wish you the best as well with uh, with this the Gentleman's Avenue, who I've I always thought was really amazing. I think the first copy yeah. that I ever saw of this was actually at the barbershop mm-hmm. when I was just getting my hair cut there. Mm-hmm. I think when the barbershop was brand new, uh, which is like five years ago. Mm-hmm. And and now I'm sitting in your studio at the 13th floor, and this is amazing. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. And and I know I was supposed to come here a lot earlier, and I'm really <laughs> bad with time management. And uh, Don't worry, man. I, thanks I'm, for being persistent. I, I'm, uh, I'm glad and privileged that you're here. And like I said, I wish you the best. And uh, if you want to close out with one more song and... Uh yeah. Um, do you want a dark one or do you want a really dark one? Whatever, whatever <laughs> you feel like playing. Uh, let's see. Uh, do you want one about love or do you want one about uh, voices? Voices. We can do voices. All right. Let's see. I hear these voices. These voices in my head. They don't tell me they want you dead They don't like you, baby, for the bad things you said 
feel whatever it is man hurting another person hurting themselves as long as a person doesn't act on it man i mean you, you it wasn't really about killing <laughs> it was just more about mental instability well it, it but but people can feel that way yeah. whatever it is man pain pain is the worst that a human can experience oh yeah and it's the hardest thing to forget science has proven pain our memory remembers pain more than anything else. Yeah. And, but you, what you've gone through and the positivity now and the family and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm really happy for you. Thanks, man. man. And I'm thankful for you coming by and, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, uh, that'll pretty much wrap up this episode. And anybody who hasn't heard the music, it's not quite that sad all the time. <laughs> well, no, it's really a beat. It's, re it's really like our shows are really yeah. sort of energetic. I know it's, yeah. it, I, I kind of ended it in a very depressing note. That's, that's kind of weird. <laughs> Here, should I try something else? Go for it. Ay, nena, vamos a la fiesta. Que esta noche está de ambiente. Ay, nena, vamos a la fiesta. A divertirnos con la gente. Bailaremos hasta que venga el día siguiente. Yo quiero estar contigo hasta el último momento. Y no, no nos iremos hasta caer de agotamiento Pues esta noche toda la gente está de ambiente ah, A bailar, nena, a bailar 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 Bailaremos que la gente está de ambiente Rascarle A bailar, nena, a bailar A bailar, nena, a bailar Brrr, A bailar, nena, a bailar Oh yeah, a bailar, nena, a bailar Que esta fiesta está tan bien Basically this song Come on over baby, whole lot of chicken going on I said I come on over baby Who got the food by the horn You can't fake it Whole lot of chicken going on Rock and roll beat. Shake, baby, shake. Shake, baby, shake. Shake, baby, shake. Yeah. 
shake, baby, shake. Toda la fiesta, toda la fiesta está de ambiente. <laughs> yeah, that 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 captures. I think that captures it right there. Like that really just shows Ooh. your music. You know, it's it's energy. It's yeah, it, it's it's everything. Like I said earlier, it's not all one one dark tone. It's life. Have yeah. a good time. Party. Enjoy life. Oh, I re- I realized a while ago that uh, all these good times were killing me. So. <laughs> Bringing the pain. <laughs> so, no, it's rock and roll. It's rock and roll. And again, thanks again for uh, having me. It's uh, been a pleasure. And now being part of uh, Gentleman's Avenue, the Lodge podcast is uh, mm-hmm. very thrilling for me. So, muchas no. gracias, hermano. Te aprecio Thank demasiado. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, so that'll wrap up this episode. Uh, where can they find you on social media, by the way? Uh, just... Um, Let's see, uh, my personal one on Facebook would just be my name, Luis Arriaga. Uh, you can also find, uh, follow the pages on Facebook, uh, which is The Drag Tones, and also Luis and the Wildfires. Uh, name is just spelled L-U-I-S, Luis. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, which is just uh, my name too, Luis underscore Arriaga. And as far as websites, I guess the Wild Records website, which is wildrecordsusa.com, mm-hmm. is where you can find a lot of the stuff. Or, you know, yeah, I don't have any sort of personal websites anymore. But yeah. so they could book you. They could get booking information, right? Yeah. All, booking information should be in all of those there. There's always yeah. an email address. If it's not directly mine, it's, it'll be Rebs, which is uh, the owner of Wild Records. All right, so that'll wrap up this episode of the LodgeCast. So make sure you check us out, gentlemensavenue.com forward slash the LodgeCast on Instagram at the LodgeCast, on Twitter at the LodgeCast, and iTunes, Google Play, Blurberry. Make sure you download, stream, subscribe. So until next time, be well, my friends.